Welcome back to another episode of the Shift Drink Podcast. I'm Edward Still sitting here, as usual, with Arthur Black. Oh, God damn it. And we have two guests with us today. This is, a, this is kind of a new thing for us. We have two of you at the same time. Thank uh, you. That's right. Hey, you know, Doubling up. Rex and effects, and let's begin. <laughs> I was going to wait for someone to finish that. There you go. Uh, that's the voice of Jake Kinnaman uh, from Central State Brewing here in Indianapolis. And with him is... Josh Hambright. Josh, what do you do? Uh, I'm one of the owners and head brewer at Central State. So he's the man. He's the man that makes the beer here. So, uh, yeah. I mean, Arthur, you want to start us off with our standard issue question to get rolling? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've got an interesting twist for uh, oh, shit. What, are we, what did we drink last night? Because uh, I've been having a hell of a week. Uh, we had a repeal party on Monday. Oh, so right. that made for a very long day and late night. And it was awesome. We killed it. But... That was late, and then I had a big-ass class with the academy, the wine academy that I do, and then we were at Goose Market, which is right next door to where we're at, um, last night. Which is extremely convenient during a podcast. Yeah, no, it is. Quick, go get cheese. Oh, I'm going to go get dinner after this. Um, But uh, it was just a lot lot of long days leading up to last night, and I thought I'd be a good boy, and I would just have some sleepy time tea and chill. And then uh, I laid down at like 11 o'clock because I was fucking exhausted. And uh, old chronic insomnia kicked in. Two hours. Oh, it's, it's murder, He's, man. I'm, he really is. I've, we've been out of town together. He, he doesn't sleep. I've been up for like four days straight. Like I'm a case study for insomnia. Like, oh, shit. oh yeah. I look up sleep paralysis sometime, which is basically like uh, sleep demon sodomy. It's a good time. I suffer from that. I'm one of you in the world. So um, anyways... I lay down for two hours, can't sleep. I'm like, fuck it, get up. I'm going to do some work. Glass of Amontillado sherry. Help put me in the mood. Do about two hours of work. Go back to sleep. Two hours later, can't wake up. Go back down. Another glass of Amontillado sherry. Uh, Go back upstairs. Awake for another hour. Um, Another glass of Amontillado sherry. And then finally at like four o'clock, I ended up falling asleep. So I had Amontillado sherry last night. Um, you don't say. <laughs> yes, I do. You might smell it on me. A couple. What did you drink last night, Josh? Uh, I've been uh, doing my homework. We're getting ready to open another bar that's going to be German and Czech focused. So I was out and saw Weinstefaner on draft, which I haven't seen in a while. Yeah. And had a couple of those, which hit the spot. And then finished that up with uh, a pale lager from the boys up at Burnham Brewing up, up north, which was pretty delightful. Before the Germans get here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm just laughing about Bernie's the the joke about your right. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, how about you, Jake? Uh, we were here last night, so a couple of Central State beers that we have on here at the Coal Ship, and then um, I don't. We still have a bunch of dark beers left over from our Black Friday event. So Sun King Hot Rod Lincoln against the Green Bow and Luke. So stuff um, like that. where is here? Like what side of town? What, sure. You know, the 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 modest operandi of this lovely account. Yeah. So this bar, is restaurant. Shit. The bar. You're so good. good for a long time. The the bar is called the Coal Ship. So it's K O E L S C H I P, which is the traditional uh, vessel. Flemish spelling. Of, yes. Of the word. Yes. Twenty uh, fifth in Delaware. We share a wall with Goose the Market. Um, and so the whole goal here is we also own Central State Brewing and and we focus on the funkier side of things. And so we opened this uh, January 30th of this year with the goal of showing off Central State and alongside beer from our friends and more kind of funky stuff that you might catch once in a while at different accounts, uh, but you'll never see kind of the same list that we have. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you. I mean, like beer, and we've said this before, beer and cocktails kind of represent the future of the city. Uh, We're just killing it here. It's just getting better and better the more, you know, people learn about their craft. Um, Pardon the pun. So, you know, welcome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I got one or two things that I want to start with just for shits and gigs. Ed, you got something on your plate? No, go ahead with your shits and gigs. Shits and gigs. Um, so I, I, I'm just curious, where do you stand? And I don't care. I'm not. This is not coming from a wine side. Like I don't see myself as like wine dude so much as just alcohol dude. Although beer would be my Achilles heel. Um, Definitely. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I know rum ranks up there as your Achilles heel. Well, that's a different type of Achilles heel. Achilles heel, <laughs> right? Um, but like as far as like a knowledge base, like I understand yeah. production. I understand. Sure. 
I don't keep up on brands on beer, and that's like a huge part of the, the knowledge base is who's doing what and what style and keeping track of you know different brewers and, and the mojo they do. But I am curious, where do you stand? What do you think came first, wine or beer, historically? I mean, I've always been of the opinion that it's probably beer from a civilization. I mean, as far as what, what caused civilization to settle down, it was the, the need to grow grain. Which as soon as you start growing grain, you're gonna figure out how to ferment it pretty quick. If if you're not if you haven't already figured out from just picking grass and leaving it around and suddenly you've got magic bubbly stuff that makes you feel funny. Uh, grapes you didn't have to settle down for. So I mean, I don't know which one was actually made first, but the one that actually caused civilization to probably become a real thing was probably grain because you can always pick the grapes off the vine as you're walking around, but you have to tend to the, the crop to get the grain. Okay. I don't know. I would. I would lean. I mean, I don't know historically, but uh, me personally, I would think that grapes might might predate beer, just because you would be more likely to see a spontaneous fermentation happen. Um, you wouldn't have to do a whole hell of a lot before you figure out, like, wait, wait. You don't have to do much to like grain to get it to mess you right, up. You just leave it in a bucket and let it get sit out in the rain, and you, you're going to end up with something that'll get you get you feeling funny. To the rum origin story, you know, the stories from it or originating from Barbados because they had a tank full of molasses sitting open vat outside, and it rained, and spontaneous fermentation. Yeah. I mean, that's, much, much later. I'm sh- that's, that's not thousands of years that's, old. That's how they, they figure that beer probably started, too, is somebody left a bucket or basket of wheat sitting out or barley or spelt or who knows trictical i don't know the man in the middle what do you think jake uh i don't know i'm i'm torn because i could see where beer with you know not necessarily by the the logic of having to grow grain because i can see the same logic as somebody had to grow those vines so somebody had to be there or it you know they had to pick them along the way and tend to it um i don't know i don't have one well, there's our unprofessional uh, yeah. <laughs> opinion. No, I, I, I like yeah. it, and they're, they're, they're solid rationales. Um, I would put my money on, and I'll, I admit I cheat. I have researched this shit before. So, um, what's the answer? Um, well, I'll throw in a variable um, because there's a there's a competitor as far as the oldest go. Because some people believe that mead. agave have been there's mead as well, um, and then there's also um, agave. And some people believe that goes back like ten thousand years into North America, which is basically like Paleo Indian era cult you know like that's the migration of people so the mescaleros are like screw all you americans talking about wine i still put my money on grapes and i know that that grain can go through spontaneous germination to get those those unfermentable sugars and fermentable sugars but grapes do they don't even have to like experience that spontaneous fermentation you squish them bam they've got that sugar already so if you do the research it puts wine first like beer and probably agave would probably be at the same time. And a couple of years later, you get other weird things like kumis, you know, the, the horse milk. Um, oh, yeah, fermented. right. Kumis, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Mongolians, yeah, they were milking horses and that's shit. In our, that's in our, like, mid-2020 plan is to just get really... <laughs> get really get we're going to do a horse milk bar. Yeah. Just make sure you get a female horse. <laughs> Don't milk the milk. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Totally different product. Wow. Oh. All right, kicking I mean, it that's, off. That's the uh, right, yeah. We're, we're we're officially kicked off now. It's he's, interesting to hear you say that about about beer, though, being like from the knowledge base standpoint, because we're on wine. So when we originally opened this place, it was about beer, wine, and coffee. And as we've gone over the last year, like wine has admittedly taken a back seat. Yeah. So we trust our our reps. You know, we work with them, but very much in the same way that we work with Dark Matter for coffee here. It's not a, okay, we want this, this, and this. It's a, hey, we need a few more bottles. Like, what are you, what's killing it right now? What would you match up with what we have going on based on the beer side of things that we can experiment with? And I think that helps us in a a sense because since we don't have a preset notion about it, we can get weird even on a small list and it doesn't really bother us. So see where that goes. Getting weird. Yeah. Getting so, weird. Arthur touched on it for a second, and I want to go back to it. You were talking about, you know, Indiana and this your Achilles heel and what, beer brewing and all that, but, like, this is becoming a major beer destination in the country. I mean, I've read this in Draft Magazine, and all I'm the sure a lot of beer festivals in this town, it's man. It's insane. Like, every week there's something going on. Like, I feel like 
Indianapolis and Indiana in particular is like really becoming kind of this beer capital of the Midwest. I mean, we're getting there. Um, I think we've been looked down upon for a long time. Like by um, Illinois or yeah, I mean I think Chicago. It's Chicago. It's yeah. it is for all things. Uh, it's kind of it's you know it's the third coast, and it uh, gets a lot of attention. I think. Grand Rapids calls itself Beer City USA. I don't. Grand Rapids is pretty rocking. That's it's There's some city, good man. stuff up there. Yeah. Um, I I don't see it. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the gauntlet down and say I don't get why they get that title. I love Hopcat. I love Stella's. I love Brew Vivant. I love a lot of Founders. I love a lot of stuff up there. Um, the gauntlet is thrown. Anybody from Grand Rapids, you want to come down to Shift Drink and talk yeah. with us? We're more than chat. happy to chat with you. I was just saying it was a, a great city. I. Yeah, I mean, uh, but I mean, they kind of claim to be the, 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 beer, the big, but. The big uh, craft beer town. I think that there's a lot of good beer up there. They don't get, they don't understand imports or anything outside of in, of Michigan up there. I think Indiana's getting there though. I think that there's the last time I counted was probably two or three months ago, and we were close to 50 in the greater Indianapolis area. So if you include Marion County and then the the four counties touching on all sides, um, there's about 50 breweries now, which is insane. That's more breweries than, than in the entire state of Kentucky, just in central Indiana. Wow. And if you include the whole state. Yeah. It's it's, the like state's what? approaching 200 now. At any point. Kentucky can suck it. There's like <laughs> what about it? Just continue. I'm no, 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 no. Keep sending us your bourbon, please. please. Yeah, no. Yeah, please. <laughs> Shut up, Arthur. We love you, Kentucky. You guys <laughs> yeah, buy lots of beer no, for I love Kentucky. I said last week, the last podcast, I was born in Kentucky. I was born in Louisville. I was going to say, we can't follow up a bourbon episode with, like, fuck you, Kentucky. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> They've got thick skin. By the way, this is the last episode of the shift drink. <laughs> by the way, we, we drink a shitload of bourbon. Yeah. Like, a shitload of bourbon. And I think that's the the other interesting thing, and here listening to you guys knowing a little bit about your backgrounds and stuff like that is we are beer and bourbon as as a crew like that's that's where we live and then cocktails yeah cocktails but to branch outside (laughs) of that is it's one of those like okay we still need to go a long way before we we continue to step into the broader area of food and bev i think cider drink a lot of cider you know we master your craft and then expand you know i mean I, I, i think that's an awesome philosophy well, it's always a learning experience regardless. Like, whatever you're into, like, you can be an expert in that thing, and then you slowly branch out, but you're never going to be an expert at everything, and that's, if you were, it would suck. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, you, yeah. there's experimentation. I, mean, I listen to podcasts. I want to be educated, like, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean to, to go <laughs> like, back oh, to your, I already know all this crap. To go back to your question, I think Indianapolis is becoming a recognized city. I think it's taken a lot of work. Um, I think that now that we are in, like, the f- fourth gen- like the fourth wave of new breweries opening up in the city, uh, kind of fourth generation stuff. We're starting to see some innovation, some really exciting stuff happening in the city. I think we've got breweries like Sun King that have been killing it for the metal game out of competitions around the country. Gets us a lot of recognition. And I think that our beer bars are really starting to get on point uh, here in the city that we have awesome bars that you can go into any given night and find a bunch of really amazing beer. It's not just focused on local IPAs anymore. There's a lot right. more going on. So there. who would you say are some of the, the beer bars in town besides yourself? Beer obviously. bars in town? Oh, man. If I leave somebody off, I'm going to get... Right. <laughs> Never mind. There are a lot. Uh, I love there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, if, if I'm going to... Just off the top of my head, uh, Hopcat, Sinking Ship, 20 Tap, uh, Mass Ave Pub, La Margarita, Black Market... McNiven's Tomlinson. Tomlinson McNiven's yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I mean there's a lot of them I mean it's hard to if name you, them all that's just like in the city if right because the city, there's even more I mean it goes back to what I was saying uh, I mean beer has become such an important thread running through the fabric of Indianapolis that you would be hard pressed to find any any restaurant or bar without a pretty damn serious and that's, tap list not only that for but like me, a local tap list the way that yeah. I know that it's really starting to catch is one of the things that struck me when I went to Portland about four or five years ago and really why I got really excited about Portland and their beer scene there is that even when you go to a dive bar, even when you go to a strip club, there's really good beer. Went to Sassy's, huh? I did. I did spend some time at Sassy's. <laughs> uh, and Mary's. Mary's. Is oh, yeah. Good. Mary's old school. Yeah. By, uh, they got the jukebox area, going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I've but, read, I looked at a Google yeah, map. Right. I saw a thing on Thrillist. TripAdvisor. <laughs> Thrillist, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, on, there was a dude, there was an article when I was in Portland um, 
first time I was at Sassy's, um, I read this article and it was like top scariest bouncers in Portland, and the dude from Sassy's was up there. So like, I mean, the dude like he he wears this flak jacket and he's got knives. Oh, yeah. yeah, like shoved. he's just bladed out. It's insane. He's got knives in his flak what? jacket. I'm not kidding. And he's it's got a his, cool place. His face Jesus. is tattooed. His head's like shaved. He's pierced and on his face, and he's just a dude that you. You look at him, you're like, I, I'm definitely not gonna like screw with that guy. Yeah. It's like the last night we were there, we were like, I, when we were, we'd been drinking for a little bit, and I was like, they were closing up, and he was escorting the girls to their cars, and we're out in the parking lot. I was like, hey man, I read you were the, you were the scariest bouncer in Portland. Like, get the fuck over here and take a picture with us. And he was like, he's like, yeah, sure, guys, happy to. I'm like, whoa, that's not at all like, the, you know. Well, golly gee, and I'll be right there. Right. That's, that's exactly what he, he I was... totally blew his cover, too. <laughs> that, that, that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. And then he had a high-pitched voice and was yeah. the nicest guy you've yeah. ever met. Well, hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing about Portland, or from what I've heard about San Diego um, and some of these other like really iconic beer cities in the U.S., is that you go to their dive bars, you go to their local places, the, the crappy hole-in-the-wall places, and they have really good beer. Indianapolis is really starting to get there, where you can go to pretty much any bar in the city and you're going to find not only really good local beer, but probably some really good beer from outside the state as well. Which I think it's real easy to get excited about local beer. It's a lot harder to get excited about just really good beer in general. It's really easy right. to throw that local word. We see it. I mean, you see it in restaurants. You see it in everything. You can put that local word on it and sell just about anything. Right. But it's when you start recognizing quality outside of your market and bringing that in that I think really shows the maturity of a market. And I think Indianapolis is finally starting to get there, which I think in the next five to ten years, we are going to be one of the best beer cities in the country. Yeah, damn. The, the loyalty of a demographic is not necessarily the same thing as the palate or sophistication right. of a demographic and that's nothing bad against that demographic if, if people love lo- uh, love local right on if they haven't developed a palate and they're coming local and the people are making good shit that local will help them develop and become you know, more sophisticated in the way of tasting and appreciation of what's right and what's wrong I mean, we look at it as, <clears throat> you can look at it as either a, a pyramid, you know, take the food pyramid, there's going to be that base layer that has to be local. This is what craft beer can be. This is the people that you can support. And then if you choose to move up through that, well, you're going to get a little bit more funky. You're going to start looking outside of the state, seeing what else is out there and exploring. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with building that base. And the other thing that we look at is um, a bell curve. And as we look at that bell curve on the front end, you've gone from Bud Miller Coors to a local uh, beer. And you stay there, you're very brand loyal. But as you move into the middle of that bell curve, you're talking about uh, almost the winification in my eyes, which is it's $9.99 for a six pack. It's an IPA. Don't need to know the backstory. Don't need to know who makes it. It's something that I'm going to take home. But you do that enough and you explore enough styles where you come down the back end of that bell curve where you know who makes good shit, you're willing to pay an extra couple bucks so that way you have it in the fridge when your friends come from out of town to visit and you trust it and you know that it's going to be quality. And so we've always talked about being on the back end of that just with the way that we've built it and doing that in multiple cities. The, um, the guys that I grew up with and, and, and hung out with, love them to death, but uh, we weren't drinking growers champagne. We were drinking <laughs> champagne of beers, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah, uh, I still drink a lot uh, of sorry, shit. Sorry, our delivery beers. day was today. It's we downstairs. Have, we have Damn. Cool yet. No, no high life. Plenty of high life downstairs. Downstairs. But uh, there was a, yeah. a lot of people, you know, yeah. I kind of went down this, you know, food, wine path and, and all this kind of stuff. And it just, you know, didn't click or resonate with a lot of people I used to hang out with. And I don't keep tabs with too many people, but there's a couple I know that like have reached out and they're like, Man, I went from just getting, you know, high life or whatever to like just buying two beers of really good stuff and it's killer and it's higher in alcohol, so I still get buzzed and I'm like, my heart just swells. Yeah. It's like, I'm so proud. Yeah. Well, Jake <laughs> m- mentioned his pyramid here and I wanted to like go directly straight into that because what you guys do at Central State is extremely, it's interesting and not all that widespread in the brewing industry, um, particularly your use of uh, Britannomyces, which. For those of you uh, out we're there, getting technical yeah, now. We're gonna get technical, yeah. but you know, I'll let Josh address that. Um, you know, if you want to explain, you know, what what you guys do and how that's different from you know what most breweries how they're handling their yeast. Right. So, Brettanomyces or Brett, as it's usually referred to, is a wild yeast. Uh, it's found indigenously every part of the world. Um, it's found in wine and beer and sake and anything that's naturally fermented you're going to end up with Brett in there. 
Uh, it's a wonderful little critter that does all the funky flavors that people associate with uh, Lambic or Creek or Belgian Wild Ales are kind of the easiest example of them. Uh, its most famous character is kind of Barnyard or goaty, Horse Blanket. I hate all of those words to describe uh, Yeah, don't worry. That was in my notes. I was like, you know, for... I, I hear that a lot when we when you talk about right. beers that were brewed with bread and were fermented with bread. And it's like, if you're not from the country, I'm sorry, horse blanket does nothing for me. Yeah. I'm, if you've you smelled know. a horse blanket, you know exactly what that means. But most modern people have never smelled a horse blanket. <laughs> right. um, yeah. You can also produce leathery flavors, smoky flavors. Um, but then it also does some really cool stuff that we really get into, which is kind of the, the peppery flavors. Um, Kind of farmhousey flavors, which are black pepper and grass. Cleaner flavors, because yeah. there's and two strains that can it, go either way. It can also get into the really cool stuff is when you start getting into some of the tropical fruit flavors, which it can do pineapple and mango and all kinds of crazy tropical flavors. Um, and the cool thing about Brett is that when you look at um, wine and beer, for the most part, are fermented with um, Saccharomyces cervicea right. or lager yeast. So there's ale yeast and lager yeast, and pretty much everything we drink is fermented with those two. Strains. I mean, that's kind of under the umbrella of brewer's yeast, yep, right? Yep, brewer's yeast, which also is... So that's Saccharomyces. It's, it's, yeah, it also ferments wine, all sorts of stuff. So pretty much everything you drink that's fermented is fermented with one of those, those yeasts. Brett, there's three strains, so where there's only two of Saccharomyces, there's three. But the same way that the same yeast is making Kolsch, or is making English Old Ale, or is making American IPA, the same actual genus of yeast, but then there's variations within that genus. Um, Brett has three of those, and within that there's just as much variation. I love this shit. Yeah, um, yeah I know you do. One quick question, and then we'll dial it back into <laughs> something more elementary. I'm curious if, if Brett propagates under the same conditions in wine as it does under beer, because you're, you're looking for... Uh, higher levels of uh, or lower levels of sulfur you're looking at higher ph you're looking at um, high levels of phenolic content tannins pigmentation all that kind of crap so it, i mean is that so in in from my understanding i have a rudimentary understanding of what brett does in wine i know that it does a lot more it's more detrimental to wine than it is to beer for two different reasons one because so much oak is used in wine and once you get bread in the barrel it's never leaving the wood environment it, helps it will yeah. literally eat the cellulose sugars the the actual pulp of the barrels if given no other sugar and we'll just sit there and break down the barrel itself and live there dormant until you put more sugar in front of it and then it'll eat it but beyond that it also in um, it loves low acidity environments, which wine is perfect for that. And then it also will just go crazy over all the more simple sugars that are found in wine, um, the sucrose and fructose and all those Right, so Brett actually has enzymes that react with a greater number of sugars than saccharomyces, right. right? So it'll ferment uh, longer. I think it's... It's like long chain It's up to like six sugars. or eight. Yeah. Mo- like... Um, we're getting really chemical now. Yeah. <laughs> Six or eight bond carbohydrates, it can break down. So it can get into maltodextrin and maltose and all the crazy long chain molecules. Whereas like Saccharomyces really can only eat, I think it's three chain. I'm, this is like brewing science that I haven't pulled up but in so, a long but time. When that, when, but as that applies to a beer, what does that end up in, in your glass? So like, we what get is, really dry. You're being able to break yeah. down all of those different sugars. So we that, get really dry beers. Um, they're very crisp, very clean. We use primary. Uh, we started off with 100% bread. We don't claim to be 100% bread anymore. Okay. Uh, we claim to be 100% wild now. Uh, so we have the same vessel. It's a modified keg that we've been propagating our yeast in for two years now. I've cleaned it once in two years. Uh, we've been basically using a Solera method where we never fully drain the keg and are always refilling that keg with fresh yeast. So. There is still yeast in that keg from batch one. So um, for anyone listening that doesn't know what a slayer is, it's a method that's called running the scales or fractional blending. It's, it's the incremental addition of old year's beverage into, uh, or sorry, new year's beverage into old year's beverage for um, the sort of consistency of, of flavor profile. And in some cases, feeding certain yeast activity or, or um, functions with new nutrients from mm-hmm. a new wine or a new beer. To break that down into a little bit simpler terms, it's often used in the rum world as well. So imagine a, a pyramid of casks or barrels stacked up on each other. You got 
maybe four on the bottom, three on the top, two, one going up into the pyramid, and you're just always draining everything by about half and refilling from the next one up above. So you've got this kind of you've got this base that's still kind of still it's been there since the beginning but you're you're always adding new to it and working your way down so that's so, what you're saying you're, yeah you're one of the things that we wanted to do is we wanted to be beholden to our yeast whereas most of the breweries um in the u.s and especially in indiana are very focused on their hops and on their malt so they're really worried about i've got this huge malty scotch ale or imperial stout or i've got this super hoppy double ipa and i i love drinking all those beers but there's a third major ingredient in beer which is yeast uh and so i wanted to be beholden to that so we kind of hang our hat on our really cool yeast profile and that's kind of what defines us so we have a house yeast that we use in 95 percent of all the beers we've ever made uh and it ferments how it wants to ferment and it is allowed to change as it wants to change and our character i think has just gotten better over time um and really started to develop i mean it's something that we kind of allow it to to do what it wants we don't temp control our fermentations um it in the summertime can get up into the 90s in our tanks uh, and get some really crazy phenolic and ester profiles at that temperature Uh, but in the wintertime uh, our year-round beers change because they're only pushing up into the mid-high uh, 70s. Uh, I suspect the, the importance of yeast in terms of um, flavor profile is underappreciated or at least not acknowledged as much yeah. as it should be in the beer world because it certainly is the case in the wine world, and I think there's a movement of people that are kind of coming around to the importance of sure. yeast. Um, I am curious, do you think um, similarly that the, the presence of funky aromatics from Brett are polarizing in the beer world like some people do and don't like them because absolutely the, the wine world exact same way it's like the same thing as for, hoppy beers or i mean if if you don't expect it it catches you off guard. Uh, it's like your first sour beer it will catch you completely off guard if you don't know what you're expecting but once you kind of learn to appreciate those flavors um i think they're awesome i mean when you really start digging into like the Belgian lambics and that kind of stuff, and the levels of funk and just complexity that those guys can pull out of the same ingredients as every other brewer in the world, but they get these massive, huge, complex profiles. Uh, I mean, it's it's a thing of beauty. Those have always been like that particular genre. The the lambic has always been like something that the first time I smelled was like, yeah, like I could I could drink this. And I think it's a the thing with, that we get hung up on a lot is people hear Brett and they think sour immediately. And so the other part of it is breaking that down and saying that Brett does not always equal sour. You have to have Brett plus bacteria. Oh, yeah. Brett and, also doesn't <clears throat> always equal funk Yep, is the other important thing where we're doing a lot of 100% Brett beers. So you don't get those funky barnyard flavors, um, the, the weird blue cheesy flavors that everybody associates with Brett. We get more of the peppery and the grassy or the tropical flavors out of it. So those are the other, <clears throat> excuse me, the other two. Right, which, type. and actually in order to get those funky flavors, the flavors that are, cons- like, the wine world is ter- or was terrified of, people are starting to embrace more of the natural fermentation now, um, those require Saccharomyces. So you need um, esters and phenols there for the bread to metabolize and break down to create those funky flavors. So it cannot create barnyard on its own. It needs a Saccharomyces to create precursors that it can then metabolize and create those funky flavors with. What genres of beer um, should people expect will probably have some representation of bread? Uh, the, the easiest is uh, Lambic or Goose from Belgium. Goose. Those are kind of the classic. Mm. Um, or Vol, which is a classic Belgian pale ale, which is finished with Brett. So you get it fresh. We actually have it in the cooler here at the Cool Ship all the time. It's one of my desert island. It, that and Rittergutzko's are my two desert island beers that I could drink for the rest of my life. Um, Sorval is a Belgian pale that is fermented with a clean Belgian strain, and then they finish it with Brett. That's. I'm glad you brought that up because that was a question I had for you. Like a lot, you know, there's several brewers out there that that will brew. Or ferment with Saccharomyces, and then they will finish it in that's, secondary fermentation. That's kind of the traditional way to do it. Right. And, um, and you see that a lot more often than you do with brewers that are just using 100% bread right. across the board. So, like, I mean, what what's the difference between what that does to a beer versus, like, somebody that's brewing with 100% bread my, Right. Uh, so that was like I was talking about earlier of uh, when you ferment with Saccharomyces and then bread. There's, one, there's sugars that Saccharomyces can't eat, so you're right. going to end up breaking down all those other sugars and get a nice long low ferment or slow and long fermentation out of the bread 
uh, where it breaks down all those complex sugars and you get right. All it is a slower flavors. fermentation, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're talking twenty five percent slower, seventy five percent, as opposed to like three weeks. You're talking three to twelve months. Oh wow. Um, okay. So it's very, very different scales of time. Um, when you look at like the lambic world, lambic is a blend of one, two, and three year old goose. Uh, our goose is a blend of one, two, and three year old lambic. I got that backwards. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're talking much longer fermentation. Jake's pouring Orval right now. That's why uh, right on. Oh, very uh, quiet. I like this. Let's keep mentioning stuff. Um, <laughs> so Arthur, as always, is like, oh no, when we finish uh, wrapping up here, I'm going to the yoga studio. Like, that's um, that's that's. I gotta go to my happen. kids' orchestra concert tonight. So sounds cooler than yoga. What does he play? He, uh, he. he plays violin. Oh, that's such pimp shit. That is pimp. I always wanted to play violin. I told him to stick with it because he's going to get laid so much. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I, yeah. I, I didn't play quite as a sexy of an instrument, like a bass player. I was, like, I was a trombone player. Yeah. And right, not, yeah. Nobody's, no. nobody's taking home the you trombone. Know. You know what, though? I've got a friend that can take the cake. My, my buddy Mike Dobransky. Don't uh, play the trombone. Shout out to Mike Dobransky. He used to live in Vegas. Uh, he oh, plays man. professionally. He's plays. He, he's recorded music on a lot of video games. He probably played. I think he did Halo okay. at some point. But he plays bass trombone. Nice. So there's like three orchestras right? in the country yeah, that absolutely. even have this instrument. Yeah. I mean, I'm a bass player, so I'm like, yeah. I mean, upright or electric. It's like, yeah. Well, I'm kind of very uh, in the background, so yeah, one I mean, way or the other. We started off kind of focused on the Brett world, and now we've we've kind of as we've grown and evolved, and what we wanted to make and what. We wanted to drink has uh, kind of changed over time, and we've become a little bit. We've kind of joined. It's a bit of a movement, the farmhouse beer movement, um, that we kind of embrace a more rustic style of beer. Um, there's there's lots of gesticulation going on on the. There's, picture, there's <laughs> pictures yeah. to be taken. Oh yeah, I mean, we've, we've always got to throw something up there. Um, Edit, Brad. Oh wait, hey, whoa! There's we're a picture being taken right now. Yeah, this is <laughs> definitely candid since we're doing it right here uh, during the recording. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, you already answered my question. You, you guys like solely brew with Brett. I mean, you have gotten away from that a little bit. Yes and no. Um, we don't say 100 percent Brett anymore. Right. Uh, is that just because of the like the yeast has propagated and we had some lab testing done and they told us that there's other stuff there. Right. That's what I was getting um, at. So. Yeah. But you haven't really, you're not like aiming to like brew with Saccharomyces so and, right and then finishing with Brett or anything like right that. Right now we're kind of in phase one of Central State. So we've been uh, doing some contract brewing, partner brewing out at Blackacre for the last two years. Cool. Yeah. Um, Blackacre is a great brewery yeah, in Indianapolis. We love those guys. Shout out they to They seem those really guys. cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a huge. A huge favor to us, right? So they they open a production facility, and the first thing that they do before they've even brewed their own batch is say, "Oh yeah, on the other side of that wall, if you guys want to bring in something that can completely scuttle our entire production facility, go for it because we trust you." So super super cool move. It was two years ago. We got equipment delivered Thanksgiving of fourteen, got that facility up and running, and and launched May fourth of fifteen with those guys. So yeah, yeah. The, the scene seems really communal. Like I, I think Clay and Sun King were really like helpful, or you know, full disclosure with uh, Craig Baker. Did, did, did you ever start brewing? Uh, Hello, Craig. Did you ever start brewing? They're still working on it. They're still, yeah. yeah. Wow. They're still working All right. on permitting or whatever. It's He's a long awesome. process. That's for sure. Yeah. Sure. The permits so, yeah. are no joke. But I mean, so, that's what so you're... we started off. We're I mean we're still out there. We're still out there uh, until we've got a couple more months out there, and we're. In the process now, we have a lease signed. We're moving into our own facility. Um, Where's so, your new facility? So in the hood, uh, 26 in Sherman. Okay. Um, so it will not have a public facing anything. It will just be a production facility. That seems to be the way that the kind of Indiana brewing has gone, though. Um, well, and we already have this. We already have the cool ship. We right. already have a place we can tell people to come and get our beers. You can buy carry out. Um, you can get a flight of four of our beers on draft. Uh, we're opening up a second bar in March, uh, which will also have some Central State beers on draft. And there's more plans after that for some other projects. So where did you guys get the name Central State? Um, because being from Indianapolis, I mean, Central State was the old... Uh, Sounds like there's prison involved. It, well, no, it was... <laughs> in a sense, yeah, because it's yeah. A, men a mental institution. It was a mental so. facility, right, that they closed down and... Re I really... 
you know, being from Indianapolis, I don't really remember us having a lot of um, mentally ill people on the streets here. Yeah. Growing up until they decided to close Central State. When they did, they essentially kicked all those people out. I mean, that's out. the entire country. Is Once yeah. they shut down the, it's insane. the mental health facilities, that's where all the homeless people came from. So, yeah. I mean, great so, idea. how does that lead into the, how you guys named the brewery? So, early 2014, as, as you know, being in, in Indianapolis, so the old Central State grounds are out at Washington and Tibbs on um, Indianapolis's near west side. And back in early 2014, we were in talks to go out there. Okay. And so... It's a combination of things in the sense that that gave us uh, some sense of place, but also what we've always said is we're going to focus on Minneapolis, St. Louis, Nashville, and Pittsburgh and fill in that half moon up to Canada, basically, for all of the, the cities that are a lot like Indianapolis where young professionals have traveled, seen cool shit, and come back to do it here. Right. And there's the base layer of you know, what you guys have done with Siam to get things started that way. Uh, there's this base layer that people can continue to grow off of. And so instead of us trying to come in and be generation two of Sun King or something along those lines, we said, let's branch out and show people what kind of cool shit we're doing and bring them to Indianapolis. And so it's twofold. And, and you'll see us with shirts on. I've got one on right now that says Midwest Exotic. And, and that's kind of our secondary tagline, which is to say, the coasts have always been the destination, plus Chicago, and now people are coming back to the Midwest. They're leaving Michelin-starred places to come do their own stuff in Midwestern cities, so let's be part of that. Uh, so it's a central state in that way, nationally. If you ever want to pick side. a fight with me, refer to Indiana as flyover country. Yeah. Right. Uh, it hey, with any of us, boils my blood. Oh, That's dude, the whole I, point I, of this damn podcast. I so got one. This is so awesome. Um, <laughs> Uh, on Tuesday night, when I was doing the goose thing, I was downstairs, and yeah, I oh, that's right. You were next door at Goose the Market on Tuesday doing their wine event. Right. Yeah. I the the melty cheese and, event. Yeah. The oh melty cheese. God, the melty cheese was so good. Yeah. It was, it was, it was <laughs> All the crazy. wine was gone when I got there, but there was what delicious. did you do there? It was like after that was supposed no. to be over because I'm a jerk. <laughs> you know, like you Where the fuck's the wine? Kind <laughs> of join us. Give this. me some booze. <laughs> uh, the whole flyover state thing, like I. I've always said, you know, like people in the service industry, I mean, it, it's not about you. You know, it's always about facilitating the diner's experience and, you know, you don't necessarily correct your gas and everything like that. Um, and I've tried to stay true to that, but I was pouring wine and it was balls out crazy and, uh, with business and people around me getting samples. And there were two women there and one woman, and we're, we're pouring in little plastic cups. You know, this is a casual thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and you're getting a, a lot Tuesday of free night. wine. Yeah, on a Tuesday yeah. night. Shut up. You know, just, just, just not, not you. Shut up. Um, the, 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 shut, shut up, Jake. Jake. I will. Arthur, <laughs> Sorry. The, the, the imaginary. Invite you into my home. The imaginary lady <laughs> that I'm referring to, um, over my shoulder. But she was with her friend, and she's tasting out of this, this plastic cup, and she was like, "Oh, this is just so not the right temperature." And I'm like, <laughs> I, and I just, I just kind of look at her, you know, and she just kind of starts going on like, blah 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 blah, and she goes. This is the temperature Hoosiers drink their wine. I'm from California. And I just I turned to her and I was like, Lady, it's a pretty casual event. You know, these aren't stem glasses. And by the way, I've been to California many times when they're not drinking their wine the right temperature. But my impulse was to just punch her in the <laughs> fucking throat. Like that is the worst Oh God, douche battery. <laughs> I think though if there's anything that we can get out of this is that we need stemmed plastic. Yes. No, Solo no, cups. we don't. We need people to not be <laughs> yeah, douchebags. Yeah, Tasting out yeah. of plastic cups and criticizing the temperature. Fuck you. No. I'm sorry, you're at an outdoor event and, and the wine's not the right. She said I'm from California within three sentences. And I got another thing, like pet peeve. You said flyover state. People from California think they know about wine via osmosis just because they fucking live there. Right. Whenever I was working retail way back in the day, um, people would come into the wine shop I was there and I'd say, hey, how can I help you? And they go, that's okay, I'm from California. It's like, all right, Jesus. well, shit, you just know about everything, don't you? Here's oh, you're from Scotland. You must be a distiller. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm from Indiana, and I don't know shit about corn. Not a goddamn thing, except I like to eat it. I enjoy eating it, and it yeah. makes some delicious beer, too, I've done that. There we go, there and we it's go. Just like, I yeah, just hate I it's... some people, and that is, I have many friends well, that live in California. I'm so sure yeah, so we all do. To circle back, Central State... Has a, Great, now we have the guest circling us back. This dude, he, pay him, like, he just keeps on point. It's I love this. He's just yeah. like, Central State, Central State, Central so, State. So Central State... Uh, so episode nine was the last episode that Arthur Black was on. <laughs> <laughs> so 
not only is it the mental health hospital, or mental hospital out on the the east side or former. west side, was, former, was, former, yeah. former, and the first time we went out there, when they when they left, they left, they left. Well, because it was an orphanage after it was a mental I health mean, facility. Uh, well, the first time and we so ever it, went like, out there, mental health facility. The if first you want time to talk about some creepy shit, go into an old abandoned orphanage. That's even creepier than an old mental hospital because there's like kids' yeah. drawings on the floor ah, and like toys. Oh. And, like, the first time we ever went out okay. there to look at it, it, it was still the like 1990s Dr. Pepper. Yeah, cans there was a dumpster that stuff was like that. Like, like it was a trash they didn't compactor even pick that up was the open. trash for the last time. And so like it wow. was like. The old Taco Bell logo and like yeah. the old Doritos branding and like everything in the trash was like a time capsule. Adjacent yeah. to that, they, they have the Medical History Museum as well, yeah. right? Which that place is, is cool. Creepy. Super cool. So and, super cool. And the thing there is, so they shut that down as one of the most premier medical like research facilities. They shut it down. It was only closed for ten days before it opened back as a museum. So they still have everything the exact way that it was. And it was premier uh, in the 1800s. Well, yeah. It wasn't premier <laughs> right. when they shut I mean, it down. Yeah. <laughs> right. The the giant the steel 50s. table. It was not premier. Places like that, they leave. There's a resonating vibe. Like that energy doesn't go away. No, I no. don't. I don't believe in ghosts. I didn't necessarily believe in any of that until I started spending some time out there. Oh Jesus! And now we've gone to episode four or five because you just got engaged, Arthur and like. Paranormal there's, there's and weird, fucking conspiracy there's shit. There's weird energy out there. It's, there's it's, charged matter, yeah, all right. Alright, so Jake. Now, uh, it's, there's, um, there's an that's account, a dear friend of mine, if you ever get to Traverse City, um, in Traverse City, a friend of mine owns a restaurant called uh, Trattoria Stella, and it's a really kick-ass Italian place. Um, and the whole restaurant is like in the basement of an old insane asylum. Is that, it's, it's, it's not that big, like, redevelopment? Uh, well, There's one up in Michigan I've heard about that's, like, in an old insane asylum that's, like, a whole, like, complex they're, yeah. like, redeveloping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the basement of it. So yeah. you, like, drive up and yeah. you go around and you go downstairs. And it's a beautiful restaurant, but you cannot, like, you can't, if you don't have a vibe down there, then you are, like, paranormally fucking dead. Like, you are not. Paranormally you, dead. Paranormally <laughs> dead. So you're not normally dead. <laughs> but paranormally dead. You're insensitive dead. to the, the existence dead. of energy. All right. So you're one of those people to where you don't have any kind of radar to anything. Like people that yeah. there's about to be a fight that happens and they're just like, doo, 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 doo. like they're staring death in the face and they have no idea. They just don't get it. They kind of, they're, they're vada. They live up here in the fucking It's a weird clouds. analogy, but we'll go with it. Yep. This is an interesting podcast. So circling, so circling, back, so circling back. Central uh, stage. Right. So beyond yes. somebody just talk about yeah. beer for beyond a minute. the mental hospital no. also for us represents um, the idea of being we are centrally we are super Indianapolis proud. Right. We are super Indiana proud. So we are in the middle of a state in the middle of the country. For those of and you that uh, listen to the podcast and haven't ever don't looked live at in Indiana, house. we have the uh, what it, Crossroads of America yeah. right on our license yeah. plates. I yes, mean, sir. Like 65, 70, 70 cross right here in the middle of so Indianapolis. So we are all, I mean, I think all of us have made a choice as young professional entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call us, to this is where we've put down our roots. This is where we are staking our flag on this city and saying we are proud to be from Indiana. We could have gone up to Chicago. We could have gone anywhere to open up the same thing we're doing, and we chose to do it here. Jake has lived... In Australia, he's lived in Chicago. I've lived in multiple places around the state. Um, Chris has lived out of state. Uh, and we all chose this is where we want to be and this is where we want to do what we're going to do. Uh, and so we're very proud of it. I mean, we travel to Chicago quite frequently. Uh, and anybody from Indiana that goes to Chicago on a professional level knows that it's a really fun no, 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 we're from Indiana, but we're from Indianapolis. Like, it's okay. Like, we don't hate the gays. I had the we're qualifier, not, we're right? We're not in the clan. Are you from Goshen? Like, we're cool. So, so we're, you guys have cool. lived a bunch of different places. Like, I mean, are there breweries out there that inspired you to do what you do? Absolutely. With oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously Huge. there's breweries that have influenced you, but... There aren't a whole hell of a lot of breweries in the country that concentrate on like Brett beers, well, particularly 100. percent It's growing. It is growing, but I you guys it, have been a business. Crooked right. Stave Two is years. the big one. Yeah, uh, Crooked Stave out of Denver. Uh, Chad is kind of the original 100 percent Brett guy, uh, and so we he wrote oh, awesome. He wrote yeah. the book about it. Literally, the Brett <laughs> his thesis. His thesis was about Brett fermentations. That's awesome. 
That's uh, as, as we talk about it, you know, the difference between SAC and, and bread, if you just boil it all the way up, high level. SAC has millions of dollars because that's what Bud and Bud Light are made from, and they have to make it in 12 factories and make it taste the same. Whether you like that taste or not, it tastes the same. So millions of dollars invested in that family. We've got Brett, which is one guy, Chad Jacobson, who went and did his thesis some, uh, some over at Harriet Watt over in, in England. And then we've got a number of other people that have started in on it. But we just crossed 5,000 breweries in the country, and I think we should probably up it. We originally would say 25, then 50. It might be 100 now are approaching it the way that we're approaching it out of 5,000. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the, the growth of breweries in this country. I mean, home brewing was legalized, what, like late 70s, right? Uh, I believe it's Carter. 70, 70 it was. 70, it was 78. And it, like, when that happened, it just... I wasn't born yet. Sorry, guys. Oh, fuck off. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Had to say that. Nice. Neither Appreciate was Jake. It. Nope. 77, man. It's well, it's not like we're old enough to remember it. We're like, oh, yeah, remember when Carter signed the bill? Oh, yeah, yeah. I believe I'm the oldest one at the table now, and I'm like 40. So, like, come Jesus. on. Jesus. We're sounding like much older <laughs> right. than we are. I'm like, I, yeah. Hey, fuck I mean, you off. Sound You're like close. A, you sound like a grizzled veteran, so yeah. that's all right. Yeah, I'm well, 39. I'm, I went to the... Uh, Tom Waits school of fucking voice acting. <laughs> he's big in Japan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is. He's big in Japan. I'm big and I'm huge in Goshen, too. Yeah. This is ironically the episode where we've drank the least and we sound the most drunk. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's a good point. Right. We got two guys from a brewery that have been drinking beer since at, they got here. At our own bar. So. Well, we're drinking the lowest proof. That is a good yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. A couple yeah. beers is different than a half bottle of whiskey. Half? Did you not see the bottle when we finished? It was half. It's half. Of half. It's half. Um, so where can guys? Uh, where can where can people find you guys um, on social sure. media? Yeah, like, social. Look up to see what you're doing. Social media: uh, Twitter at CS Brewing, Facebook.com slash CS Brewing, and then Instagram is the full Central State Brewing because. The first one we set up, we put it to an alias and then tried to change the password and it didn't work. So learn that lesson. So don't ever, yeah. if you're using Google yeah. Apps, this is, this is going to get high level again. If you're using Google Apps yeah. to manage your website and you set up an alias email address, do not point your Instagram to that alias email address <laughs> because it. it won't work and you can't password recovery to it and there's those emails just let, vanish into nowhere. Let somebody, <laughs> let somebody own that shit. Um, but yeah, so we've got that, and then we have at the coal ship, uh, at coal ship on Instagram, and that's the bar. Is the bar here that we're sitting yeah. in right now? Yeah. yeah. So if you want to stalk us, you can find us. Yeah. Our personal accounts. No, yeah. No. Mine's right. mostly just tacos and dog pictures. That's true. I actually follow you. That's who doesn't love tacos? tacos and dog pictures? That's a lot of tacos. Tacos and dogs. Uh, I'm curious. Like, what? Um, what are your beer pet peeves. I mean, you mentioned the, the flyover Indiana, but like beer specific, like um, I know there's tons of things I hate people uh, for in the wine world. Like when people swirl their glass and hold it up really high and say, oh, look at the legs and shit like that. That means nothing. It does nothing. It just, cork sniffers. Uh, right. The cork sniffers. Uh, when you're at a trade cork tasting. and you're, <laughs> yeah, he always, when you're, as, what, That's the, my favorite Arthur line. Cork, cork sniffers. Cork sniffers are assholes. That, that says, like, I was doing a training and I was telling the staff, <laughs> I was like, cork sniffers are assholes. It doesn't mean anything. And they went and made me a shirt that says "Cork Sniffers are Assholes, so Arthur great. Black," and I wear it. But <laughs> that's a great shirt. It's kind of weird if you're wearing a shirt quoting yourself, you know. Right. That, is a, that is a little weird. So, I love wine shirts. I've got I so got given peeves. one by our general manager that says, uh, "If you don't if you don't drink Riesling, you're a fucking idiot." Like, yeah, yeah, that, that's a that's a quote. It's not one I can IPA wear to work till often, I die, bro. IPA till I die. Yeah, I think my biggest one um, actually came out of. Owning this place, I mean, it was already kind of a pet peeve. IBUs, International Bittering Unit. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, fucking hopheads. It's so it's a measurement. It is an actual analytical measurement of the yeah, summarization of alpha acids in solution in a beer. It requires very expensive equipment to actually measure an IBU. Uh, you need either gas chromiograph or the other sorts. There's other ways of testing it, but it requires lab testing. There's also math that you can use to calculate it, which is what 90% of the breweries that put an IBU number on their beer are telling you is the theoretical number. Right, I was going to say, but there's like a wind. There's yeah, a, there's, there's a, a huge, and it's like based error. on the amount of sugar, and it, 
So you, you're talking about your people that like list beer menus and list the IBU. List the IBU. Right. Or breweries that claim like this is 200 IBU. Like fuck off. No, it's not. You literally physically cannot put that number. Now I have read is. that over 100. Like you're. It's it's, it's a so educated. From guess. my understanding, is Budweiser did a lot of testing because they do a lot of high gravity brewing and then dilution. So they want to know how many IBUs they can get in it and then dilute it back down. Above like 93, you can sort of push it up to 100 but it's really hard to get that number higher than that your palate most palates could not detect the difference between an 80 a 90 and 100 like it's just bitter okay so ibus is, is really like the, the bitterness coming from hops yeah so, and and yeah. beers like lagers have really really low levels of ibu so like Correct. 10 or something but the thing is is like if you look at a beer like our table beer which is our year-round blonde ale it's actually like 40 IBUs, which is comparable to many pale ales, or like 40 to 50 IBUs. It's hoppy, but it's the bitterness is balanced with everything else that's going on. So right, if you not, have a heavier malt, that takes away some of the bitterness. It's not a hoppy beer, but it's a bitter beer, because it balances everything out. It's, when you, it's also when you add it along. Yeah. So, so that's, can, that's kind of how we, we talk about it, to say, if you're and going all the way back to being yeast-driven, your base grain is typically, what, 80 to 90%? of the recipe so you've got 10 to 20 percent to tweak it there everybody's typically chasing the same hops because it takes three to five years to get that together so when it comes down to being different differentiating yourself amongst 5005 breweries you're talking about a very small window of skill figuring out when you're going to add that during a 60 minute boil maybe a 90 minute boil and that's what determines how perceptively bitter it is as opposed to your aroma your late additions so you're you're learning all that and playing with all of that based off of then you turn it over to the yeast and that's why i think we chose to go this way yeah so basically i mean essentially beer broken down you know water yeast barley hops and any other kind of adjuncts or anything else the adjuncts are where it gets fun (laughs) <laughs> Ryan Heinz yeah. can get fucked. Has, Ed, have you ever been to a hopper? Isn't that what they call like the harvesting like area where they process hops? Uh, I'm just a hop farm. Okay, so I was in I was in Washington State. Hop and, Union is one of the companies that does it. Yeah, uh, like nationally and distributes yeah. hops and all that stuff. Broken. So we um, I was with a buddy in wine country in Washington State. Which is and very close to hop country. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. there's hops all over the place. And we kind of wanted to break it up and go go check out um, what I think they called a hopper. So I don't know if that's a Washington State thing or whatever. But it was really, really cool to see the processing plant. And I was just like, wow. I mean, this, this is a pretty awesome hoppery. And the guy looked at me like I was retarded. And I, I was like, what? Wow. I said, beer's brewed at a brewery and wine's made at a winery. It's not a hoppery. And it, his mind was blown like... We had never conceived such a word. I felt really dumb. That's uh, that reminds me. So, I've read this somewhere, and I don't remember where I read it. Um, but I've read that actually, uh, Brett can kind of unlock aromas that that Saccharomyces cannot, because it like there's like the sugar matrix that is essentially yep. like kind of holding things back, and that you can't break that. So open there are chemically. sugar molecules that can be bound to aroma molecules. Uh, and Saccharomyces just can't break those bonds. Uh, and I'm laughing because Ed was sending me texts giving me shit like, someone's got to keep this shit not so technical. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to that shit one, and I was like halfway through and I was like, this is so far over my head. Like, uh, okay, yeah. How many bubbles are in a bottle of so, champagne? So, oh, so pull the short, In short, yes, it can, it can cleave off the extra aroma that... And it, so it releases... Can. Really cool flavors out of hops. Out I mean, of that's, spices. that's an amazing thing. Right? Yeah. Like, hey, here's some new aromas and that's, never even that's conceived. That's also science that, like, is only, like, two to three years old that, like, people, like, somebody figured out this can happen, and now it's like, oh, shit. Like, well, now we have to do all this research to figure out how this works. So, like, this is, like, Brett is this whole wild frontier of brewing science that for years people were only worried about Brett. And most of the Brett studies have been done by the wine world which was just like brett fuck off like we want nothing to do with you right get the hell out of here you're gonna ruin it it's seen as a contaminant and yeah and and a lot of the brewing industry and and definitely brewing for the most part was the same way and when you go back in time and look at traditional old ales in england or basically any beer brewed before past year figured out how to do what yeast was 
Um, and when you go back beyond when Carlsberg figured out how to do pure yeast propagation, before that, everything had bread in it. So every beer after six months tasted bready or tasted sour. Every wine tasted bready or tasted sour. Every fermented thing tasted that way. And yeah. bread is just now being rediscovered and kind of revisited for being this great ingredient. It's been brought around. It's like, Brett, I want to hug you. Come here. No, no, it's fantastic. I, I mean, it. it's one of the reasons that I've been a big supporter of your brewery and as we have at all of our restaurants. And I, mean, I appreciate you guys coming on the show and, yeah, and doing this. We are going to do another uh, another podcast here with the gentleman here. There is going to be a part two because we're going to talk a little bit about um, the business, business. and uh, open up a, a small food and beverage business because myself and Jake here sitting next to me we've talked about that at great length over the last few years and yeah. kind of the tribulations and trials that you have to go through but um, before we wrap up what are, are you guys I got it I got I'm it this sorry. time I'm just laughing because it's like I tossed it to you last time toss and you just you had no idea what that was just kind of looked at you like stupid like, like what? no but I think yeah. we're done here yeah, we're good. <laughs> good talk guys high five yeah. um, what, are, uh, what are your hangover cues guys uh, there's a sliding scale of severity. Uh, it, it Jake usually just curl up in a ball and tell everybody to fuck it, off. It, it, that's false. Uh, it <laughs> I starts, have a hard time believing that's false. It starts with uh, it starts with Pedialyte if we know that it's going to be something serious. That's yours, serious. man. I'm not a Pedialyte uh, guy. I, I need to either. try this thing. Everyone I, keeps I, then, saying that. Uh, I agree. I'm not a Pedialyte guy It goes guy either. to either from there, uh, Underberg or Amaro into coffee yeah. if it's going to get there. Uh, the end. The end game is uh, unfortunately the the game of pulling the trigger and curling up in a ball for a, a couple hours. Jason, you, you have I'm an gonna, arc. Yeah, I'm gonna, an arc. yeah it's, it's a process. I'm gonna call some malarkey on you, and you forgot to include the vomiting because That's what you're the trigger is. Okay, yeah. I was saying because yeah, every time you drink yeah more than like three drinks, it's usually puking the next day. Wow, three. Really it's a little light, man. It's a little light. It takes me more than that, but I'm I'm in that boat. If if uh, my my vomiting always ends up the next day, I never yeah, see. I'm n- not, never the night of. If I'm gonna no, do it, I'm gonna I'm just gonna get it all out of my system and go to sleep. Although in Vegas a couple weeks ago, I'm sorry, no, it was Nashville about a, about a month ago. I was down there with a couple Nashville. of indie uh, bartenders that had just moved down there, uh, Puck and and Morrison. We oh, ended up at uh, 308, then we ended up somewhere else. And but at 308, I got the genius idea to start doing. Uh, like equal parts uh, mezcal, green chartreuse, yellow chartreuse. Oh, wow. no. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Just no. like shots of it all night. And that was that was after nine hours of drinking at like yeah. Husk and 308 and this yeah. other wine bar. And it probably wasn't a fantastic Masochist. way to, to, no. <laughs> to finish on? the night. But hey, it did. It, it, was, a, it was like a cleanse, right? Sugar and alcohol. So my, oh. my cure Josh? is uh, it starts at Milk Tooth. Uh, yeah. If milk given the tooth. option, uh, please look you, it up if you're not familiar. I feel with milk like tooth. I roll in there and Jonathan just kind of sees it in my eyes that I need help, and yeah. things just show up in front of me and make me feel better. Um, but see, it was, in your eyes or on your eyes, with yeah. like the bags in your. Yeah. Eyes. Uh, it was last summer I figured it's out the the, uh, the Fernet Rabbler, uh, which is a Stiegel Rabbler with a shot of Fernet in it. There you go. It All right, a wonderful cure, and then usually a Bloody Mary involved and a, a cup of strong dark black coffee uh usually dark matter if i can get it uh which sometimes means me coming over here and making coffee with the dark matter coffee we have here um roastery out of chicago yeah we love those boys shout out yeah and milk tooth i mean definitely shout out to john brooks over there there has saved me so many times of just wanting to end life but then his food brings (laughs) me back to reality their food Definitely gives you a big hug. They're, um. they're, they're. I don't, I don't believe in God, but if I did, it's probably milk tooth food. That's what it makes me feel. Like. Uh, John's killing it over there. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with it, for the listeners out there, I mean, look at him up. He's a food and wine. And he's so top dreamy. Oh my he's God, so those dreamy. eyes. I just get lost in them. Yeah, yeah. Especially when. When you're sitting at the uh, kitchen table, oh, kitchen bar there. <laughs> oh, I always, you have to sit at the bar. You do, you do. Yeah. I get so mad well, when they put solo, me at the table. I, like, I throw a little tantrum every time I'm at a table. <laughs> and I'm like, but I want to sit at the bar and watch them work. <laughs> Slash give him shit over the sneeze garden. Well, yeah. yeah, and make fun of the Taylor Swift candles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, man, we got a Taylor Swift calendar hanging in our kitchen. We listen to a lot of Katy Perry while we're brewing. Yeah. <laughs> nice. We're team, up. we're team KP. Well, at least we know which side you're on. I mean, Arthur and I are more Team Slayer, but you guys do your thing, you know. I was actually going to tell you guys, <laughs> out of the podcasts in my, my podcast app now, 
I think this one has the best intro and outro music where I'm like, fuck yeah, this is some solid metal music. Like, I can dig this. Like, I'm used to, like, Good Beer Hunting, which I love, I love Kaiser, but he's got, like, it, I fall asleep every time yeah. during the intro music. And you guys, I'm like, I'm going to headbang during the intro. We've been to, we've been to a few shows, actually, uh, we've, which we've never mentioned on the podcast. Like, you know, we, we already wrapped down. Now we're wrapping back up a going, or go, whatever. Here we, we go wound again. down. Now we're, you know. But, I mean, we got to see Slayer a few months ago. I had a An- blast at Fucking Slayer. amazing show. Yeah, it was solid. Death Angel. I was so <laughs> floored to see Death Angel. I've loved them for a long time. I really wish they would have got more than a half hour set. But they were able to um, to put in a couple of their new tunes off the new album, which their new album is fucking amazing. Evil Inside, It's they play the moth to wrap up the set. That was a... Ballsy move, you know, for people going there to see, see like DA, like old school DA, but like Gurjira is coming to Indy. I did see that. Gurjira and that uh, who's who are they coming with? Uh, Somebody like Opeth or something. Yeah, Opeth. Yeah. That's right. Um, that's he, that's he like the official. That's the official band of of the cool ship is Gurjira. If you come yeah. in here and Gurjira's not on, something might be wrong. Uh, the, the Slayer was, killed it. They always kill it. The sound was great. You were sound. You, was you went backstage with us, right? Yeah, yeah with, that's right. we got to we were we were drinking Ooh. with uh, Carrie King. Oh, hold on, hold on. Actually, the night before too, because were you with us the night before? No, no, you guys were doing we, we tequila mezcal. Uh, heard many John stories. Well, we talked John about this. from uh, La Margarita. Uh, we were sitting and drinking with Carrie King from Slayer, and, and we, he's a vodka guy, right? He uh, <laughs> moving to tequila. He he we he's a big tequila guy, but yeah, he does drink his vodka sodas, but um. No, we were sitting watching Monday Night Football, and he was like, is there any way to drink tequila around here? It's like a Monday night. And I'm like, yeah, I know a guy that owns a tequila bar. So I called John over at La Margarita. Got to reopen on a Monday. And well, I <laughs> forgot that they weren't even open. Close on Monday. And so I texted him. I'm like, hey, man, like you guys open. Uh, uh, still open. It's like midnight after Monday Night Football, you know, in the East Coast. And so he was like, no, we're not even open at all on Monday. So I was like, oh. You're like, fuck you. I got Kerry King with Well, me. I didn't say fuck you because I don't think he's a big <laughs> fan. So I was like, well, just throwing it out here I'm like I'm sitting with Carrie from Slayer and he wants to drink tequila and he was like well I'm here doing inventory should I just go ahead and unlock the door like fucking absolutely dude <laughs> like yeah we uh, we went in and drank plenty no I I couldn't have been more I, I'm like I can't be more thankful to Chris for hooking up with the tickets and the experience to go backstage because um, I, I had a blast an absolute fucking blast but I do have to laugh at the backstage experience that we had because we get back there, and it wasn't like hookers and blow. No, no, no. no. It was like there the were Slayer green room is not like what you they, imagine. They had, to be. Like, I mean, I followed Carrie's wife on Instagram. Oh and gosh, I, I wasn't so expecting that, but I just I got all in the, room. the dog pictures. That's why. I yeah, a lot of dogs. Oh, dude. All right. That, but I I walked in the room and I'd look at like the spread, and it was like M and M's, Pepperidge from cookies. You yeah. know, and I'm like. Backstage with I mean, Slayer. I feel like 30 <laughs> years ago it was. But <laughs> those guys no, are no, no those spring seven shots. Oh, I know. They're getting older. And like I said, I wouldn't expect, you know, like bong hits or, you know, what, nothing like that. But I just kind of was like, you know, snap, hashtag, getting older. You know, it was like, well, let me just throw this out there. Because this is the most, this was my first experience backstage with Slayer. And again, the Chris you're referring to is. My general manager at Black Market Chris in Coy. Indianapolis, Chris Coy. He's a peach. Um, and so we, um, the first time I got to go back with Chris, because he's known Carrie for 15 years or so, or whatnot. But we, um, we go to the show. It's amazing. Uh, Suicidal opened, which was fucking oh, awesome. Oh, right on. Oh, dude, yeah. yeah Suicidal killed And we go back, and we're hanging out and whatnot. And uh, Gary Holt, like, walks up to me as we're kind of waiting to go back. And he's like... Hey man, you smoke cigarettes? Yeah. I was like, come on, let's go smoke a cigarette. I'm like, it's fucking Gary Holt from Exodus, and now he's playing for Hanneman and Slayer. Like, this is, oh, this is killer. I'm like, all right, man, let's go smoke. So we went outside and chatted a bit about boxing, whatnot, just kind of hung out, whatever. Um, he's a big boxing fan, as am I. So we went back into the uh, green room or whatnot, and everybody's just kind of breaking up the Jaeger and whatever shots they're drinking and yada yada. But um, they had rescued a kitten. The night I've before. heard this story. Yeah, right. Oh my god! So, my so, buddy Charles works at Saint Omo, or he no, works at Old, Old National. National. Oh, okay, okay. And he, I was like, like was involved yeah. in the finding of the kitten. Right. So and they, like, they found the a kitty, and then they 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 took the kitty back to their tour bus, because I guess some like shitty homeless guy was trying to sell the yeah. cat for like a buck or something. They're like, hey, dick. 
and they gave him the dollar and took the cat and put him on the tour bus and we're hanging out. So the next day, we're in the uh, Slayer green room after the show and I'm like, literally, it's wrapped up like fucking angel of death and rain and blood and shit. We're in the back and Gary Holt's like, I've named this cat Priscilla. <laughs> and I was like, why Priscilla? And he's like, because that's Elvis's like bride. I mean, that She's shit made sexy, like the front pretty. page of Reddit. It was did, like, yeah. Slayer rescues kitten in Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> he was going on, and he was like on his phone, like flipping through all these photos of him hanging out with the cat the day before. And I was like, no one will ever believe that, that this is what happens. I mean, like, because, yeah, you imagine hookers and blow, and there's like blood sacrifice, and there's goat heads, like dripping blood hanging on the wall. It's like, nah, we're looking at Gary Holt's cat kitty pictures. Not, not in the you're rider. Like, it's not no, that, no, it's not, not the, the green room rider for the. Now, having said that, those guys are some hardcore motherfuckers, and I definitely would not like entertain the idea of walking up to him and be like, "Hey, man, so heard you're kind of a kitty. Where's your kitty? Yeah, right, yeah, because you probably will get knocked the fuck out." Yeah. Uh, anyhow, guys, I know we've got another uh, episode to do here together about business. Yeah. I appreciate you guys coming on and talking about Brett in particular and Central State Brewing. That's yeah. awesome. This is all. This was great. Thanks.